0: Okay, so welcome to episode 299 of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. It's September 22, 2011, and today again we're going to be working with a Google Hangout, but this time I have invited a select few people, hopefully, that will be able to join us. I didn't let them know until about an hour and a half ago, so a little bit short notice. But hopefully we will be able to get a, a bunch of people on here and talk about the advantages or, you know, opinions on alternatives to the DSLR camera. And we'll, I'm just going to hang around here and let people start to join. I'm actually online five minutes early. Um, but I, I hope this is going to go well. This is really what all of the testing was about last week, so let's uh, sit back and wait for a few people to join us. Hi Jonathan, back again. Hello. Hello. <laughs> um, so so far as you can see it's just you and me. Looks <laughs> like we're getting the band back together. So what have you been up to while we're waiting and are you what are you what are you up to these days? Oh, not much. I uh, just uh, went
1: on a camping trip this weekend. Nice. Uh, it nice. Ra- it rained uh, extensively, so there weren't many photographic opportunities. Uh, but uh, but
0: it was still fun. <laughs> that's good. Well, do do you do you camp in a tent or or in a ca- your car or?
1: <laughs> Actually, I uh, I camp in a hammock.
0: Oh wow, that's pretty from cool. The trees. Yeah. That's pretty good cool. more
1: comfortable than a tent
0: oh, I can imagine yeah i uh, i generally um you know here the the places that I go that i I would camp um because i i, I don't like the idea of a bear waking me up in the middle of the night, so i right. you know the the bears here in Japan are either very timid and they run away when they hear humans or they they want your flesh <laughs> it's, it's like it's like one or the other. Um, there are people attacked by bears here all the time, even in the, even in like rural areas. It doesn't have to be way out in the wilderness. Um, because Japan's very mountainous, and they have a lot of black bears, um, and they or the, the ones with the crescent, like the the, uh, the white crescent on the chest. I'm not sure what you call them in English, but they, uh, hmm. they when they get nasty, they will come for you. There, there was a guy I read I read a, an article in a magazine a couple of years ago. Um, it was, I think it was entitled A Bear Ripped Off My Nipple or something like that and it, it was basically this western guy and lived um, in one of the rural areas of Japan and he went out jogging one day and all of a sudden he it was, it was, was running along a mountain track and he, he heard and saw some rustling in, in the foliage up on in the mountain and he said that this bear just come running down the mountain onto the track in front of him and started running towards him and he said it said it was obvious that this bear had seen him from the distance and just decided it was going to have a bit and it just came straight for him attacked him and and he actually he managed to fight it off just by punching it in the face and in the nose and stuff as many times as he could and it it just had enough but it it managed to rip this guy's nipple off and it caused a fair amount of damage before he uh you know the the bear gave up and went away so it's a bit scary so that's terrible. <laughs> so, be, because of that, I mean, I generally, if I'm if I'm in a camping situation, I'll generally, um, my my car has the ability to sort of flatten the seats down a little bit, right. and and I'll I'll get a, like this self-inflating air mat that I I put out there, and then just sleep in a sleeping bag in the car. So, it's it's not the most comfortable setup, but i I'm, so, I'm sure it's not as, comf- as comfortable as a hammock.
1: Yeah. Well, I've actually uh, I, I know somebody who has a uh a suburban and it's got plenty of room in the back and he has a hammock hung up from the uh, roof supports or oh nice! No. the uh, emergency handles and that thing
0: yeah oh nice yeah so what do you do do you have to go out when you when you're setting up do you have to find yourself a, a tree or some, you know, a couple of trees that are just the right size apart or you know is it have you got a bit of leeway there
1: well, it's generally easier uh, in in wooded areas to find a place to hang a hammock than it is to find a place to put a tent. Ah. So you you just need trees that are like fifteen feet apart and with mm. they can you know there can be underbrush. I've hung over poison ivy and and all manner of things and rocks. Yeah. Um, but you just you know you don't want big bushes under you or anything like right. that. Right. Right. But uh, it it's it's usually only takes you know.
0: 10 minutes of looking to find a spot. Cool. That sounds that sounds ideal. You know what? I'm going to spin this around a little bit so that the people that watch this can see a bit of art on my wall. <laughs> ah, Jeffrey's just joined us.
2: Greetings, gentlemen.
0: Greetings, Jeffrey. Are you Let's see. You know what? This is automatically changing now as people come in. This is great. So we we've got we just been automatically switched over to a nice view of Jeffrey there. It's, uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us. we were we're just chatting about set, setting up camp, uh, hammocks in the wilderness. Um, John, Jonathan generally, when he camps out, he uses a hammock. He says so. We were just talking about that. Do, do you do you get out into the outdoors and sort of and camp and stuff yourself no, over there, Jeffrey?
2: Not as much as I used to. Although I think Jonathan and I are in the same part of the world now, so um, yeah, I think. Did you say you lived in Laurel first, Jonathan? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I live off of uh, Hawthorne, so um, yeah. Short, short, few blocks from each other, but no, <laughs> not as much as I used to. Um, uh, but I do have, I, I do have a nice tent. Um,
0: <laughs> great. <laughs> I,
2: I think more than anything to make sure that <clears throat> put as many layers as possible between the weather
0: and my camera Mm. Um, so yeah yeah I generally I was saying I generally end up sleeping in the car over here and just sort of get a mattress out and sleep in a sleeping bag in the car or, or in the summertime or you know I don't go out in the summertime it's just too hot here but like end of early summer late late summer fall time I uh I don't need a don't need any any covers or anything but once it gets into the winter it's it's a pretty it can get pretty dire so I mean it's like really really warm sleeping bag, but it's uh you know it, it it's good to get out it's nice i i don't i was saying i, I don't camp here as much because of the bears, but i uh, I do like to get out and and just sort of be up The good thing about it of course, as you both know, is just that you're there when you when things start happening as the good light happens you know you might you may have to walk to a good spot, but it is nice to be you know pretty close to it all as it starts happening in the morning you know. So what, yeah, that's what mm.
2: I'm working on a, a trip out to Olympic National Park, and I'm trying to get a couple other people to go with me so that we can rent an RV and get up close to where the action is, but still have a regular vehicle and a place to take a shower and yeah. you know, be sure of of a dry bed. Um, yeah, in the yeah. evening. Yeah. So. Uh,
0: that, yeah, that would be a good idea. We. I don't see many RVs, um, you know, there's a lot of people here either camp or just, because there's a, most of the areas here in Japan that are worth shooting are generally, um, they have a, a few of the hot spring, you know, hotels and inns and things as well, so a lot of people, and they're relatively reasonably priced, they don't overcharge, so you can, you can get a a, a nice hot bath and a, a comfortable bed and some good food for 100 hundred hundred twenty $120 or so here, so, of course, if you're going to do that for a whole week, it's easy. it certainly saves you money to, to camp and that's one of the reasons why I sleep in the car, but it's, uh, you know, it's, nice, <laughs> it's nice to have a comfortable bed as well. You, I, I was going to say that you don't really see many campers and stuff here, there's not, so much, there's not that really that culture here. I think it's probably because of the roads are often so narrow, at least in the areas that people live, you know, so yeah. you, can't, you can't really drive yeah, those things. I
2: mean, yeah. Where would you keep one? Where it's as right. big as your home, right, Bigger. right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. It's uh, it wouldn't be very practical here in Japan, but yeah, that sounds great. You know,
2: though. Well, I, and that's I think that's the problem with with travel in the United States is that it tends to be relatively expensive because everything is pretty far away, mm. and um, and you, even when you have some sort of Accommodations near a, a major national natural landmark. You're still a pretty decent distance. You know, you're going to have to drive in, yeah, um, to start, and then then get out and walk. And yeah, who wants to take the first hour or, or more of the morning um, getting to your destination when it's really not that far away?
0: Or, yeah, yeah,
2: or it doesn't have to be that far away.
0: Hmm. I I think the. Um Obviously, the scale of everything over there is is just huge. So I can imagine that if you want to go to one of the 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 really you know the nice scenic places, it could. I, I'm sure that you guys can can drive for a day and still not really get to your destination if you try to drive drive everywhere. So it's uh, it, uh how far are you, how far are you you all from like I don't know some of some of the really the, the beautiful national parks and things. Is it is it like multiple? Yeah. You know, not not know.
1: that far, uh, and <coughs> we're just surrounded by national parks here in Portland, and um, and Glacier National Park isn't that far away. And nice. Uh, there, there are plenty of options. You know, it's you're going to have to set aside like a three day weekend or something to make it there and have mm. time to do anything and get back.
2: But yeah. Well, yeah. even like Yellowstone is only well. It's 850 miles away but because of the interstate system you can get there in less than 14 hours nice Um, so two people driving in shifts you could get there in in a day
0: yeah oh that's Um, nice it takes if i drive to some of the places that i want to shoot way up north that takes me a good full day anyway so yeah that's that's probably although i mean a 14 hour drive isn't the the most exciting prospect but you know if you if you're sitting there with a with a good friend and you've got some podcasts to listen to or books or something it's you know i, I can imagine that wouldn't be too bad a day to get to where you're going to go and then have all your shooting days and then come back that's not too bad
2: yeah mm. well and, and from here there's mount hood national forest um, willamette national forest Deschutes national forest mm. um so suslaw National Forest, there's a lot. Um, mm. Amoco National Forest, Crater Lake, all of that is in Oregon, and, and you can get there in, you know, a, it, no longer than a day's drive. Very um, nice. You can Very get nice. there in time for the sunset in almost yeah. any. Of them.
0: Yeah, that's, so. that sounds great. Um, so we're we're just um we're just getting into this talking about the um, let's see alternatives to DSLR. So I the first one of the things that we were talking about last week um was the you know the 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 new sort of stream of retro style cameras that are out and we I've got my old this is actually it's this isn't a retro style camera it's an AE-1 it's a it's like one of the very old Canons from maybe almost 30 years ago 20 something years ago um so last week when we were, we were talking, we'd, we'd got Frederick Van Johnson in here as well and they'd had a conversation on the, you know, This Week in Photography uh, podcast about retro cameras and like the X100 and which, which one of, was it one of you you guys that had the, um, the was it the K100 or the, the, what was it, was it Jonathan? You, did you have a, you had one of the retro style, retro looking cameras, right?
1: Yeah, well, I actually have some retro cameras. Yeah, uh, Pentax Spotmatic. Yeah, it's kind of like the the K one thousand from back in the day. Uh, This was before they switched to the uh, bayonet mount, though. Ah, okay. And then I've got a an old rangefinder. Uh, Ah, Yashica. All right. uh, Electro. Sorry. Yashica
0: Electro thirty five. Yeah. Yeah, very nice camera. the uh so so we were do you still do you still use those? Do they work well still when you put a film through them?
1: Uh yeah, they work. You know, that's that's one of the beautiful things about um film cameras is that they lasted forever, you know. These cameras are hmm. are uh, older than I am at this point. And um but no I don't shoot with them anymore. uh I I've moved fully over to digital I, mean, I just can't uh, with the expense of processing and finding a good lab uh, taken out of the equation hmm. the quality of thirty five millimeter film is just not up to
0: well the standards. that i'm I'm pleased to hear you say that because there is there are still people i mean i I hear um, I was in a conversation with a friend just a few days ago who he he himself, himself shoots with a, a digital. Uh, well, he shoots with a digital SLR and a medium format Pentax, the the digital, and um, he he made a comment that you know because he's in he's in these very um, sort of strict Japan the Japanese camera clubs where they all tend to think that film is still better than digital, but when you if you're working in medium format you've probably still only got about the same amount of information and resolution as a 21 megapixel file probably even less depending on how you scan these things it's you know the the quality to me in the in, in a 35 millimeter slide film is you know, I mean, there, there may be a slightly different feel to the image. People think, sometimes say that there's there's more depth to them than that. But personally, I think it's crap. You know, the the the, the quality of the images that you can get out of a a reasonable resolution camera these days does, to me at least, seem to. Um, oh, Jonathan, Jonathan had, <laughs> had dropped out. He's back already. You're back already. You seem to jump drop out there. Sorry. No problem. Yeah. It wasn't me, I assure you. <laughs> um so yeah, I was just saying, you know, that the the quality of a of a thirty five millimeter slide film, although you know, it's it's okay. I think that it's we've surpassed it in recent years with the th- from the five D and sort of and that you know, anything above ten megapixels or so really has in my mind at least surpassed the the quality of 35 mm film and i think that with the 21 megapixel range you we we've probably surpassed medium format as well and so i um, you know i i also if i put a film through this my ae1 it's purely because i want to smell the film and just sort of and just it's a total nostalgic exercise and and i don't do it very often and and the reason that i asked you earlier if your cameras work still is that this I bought it in a in like a a second hand camera sale at a in a an event somewhere and it actually the shutter sticks on it every 5 or 6 frames so you know when when I get a, a film back developed that I shot on this generally every fifth or sixth frame will be will be black so it doesn't work properly either um so then you know I'm paying for development for um you know maybe Maybe thirty frames out of thirty-six, and so it's t- it's making it even more expensive, and I, I just I just can't really warrant using that. But so it's totally a a nostalgic thing for me. Um, but you know, the, Jeffrey, do you do you use a film camera? Do you use film at all anymore?
2: I haven't for eight years. Ah. Um, so it's been a long a long time. I I did. I had. I. My my favorite camera still to this day I had a, a Contax RTS two and, and they had all the Zeiss lenses um so and it was a wonderful camera and, and I, I loved even just the sh- sound of the shutter because it was beautifully dampened um mm. and it had this great, great feel to it but it, it was just expensive Ex- you know I couldn't I couldn't stomach the cost of of film even. uh, relatively cheap film is Mm. what a couple bucks for 24 exposures Um, and I I sat down one day and I did the math and realized that I was spending $1,200 a year on film and development and not even getting to the printing part so um, that's the day that I I ordered uh, the almost brand new Canon 10D uh, right when that came out yeah. and that was that was the end of it i ha- i picked up an old canon d30 used yeah and so that when i realized it was it was getting the job done so mm.
0: um,
2: i and in the resolution is definitely an issue um, even the best 400 iso film does not look it has more grain i find than 400 iso on Modern digital cameras, yeah. or at least the digital SLRs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, it's really it's hard to justify it unless you're shooting medium format and you don't want to spend twenty grand on a digital back. Mm.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. I because it makes medium
2: format look relatively cheap now. <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: yeah. You can buy yeah.
2: a Hasselblad with a lens and a back, and for a thousand dollars, that seems like such a bargain.
0: Yeah. I. I know what you mean. I, I think that the the 10D was a was a good entry point for you there. The you know that that was the camera from which I I felt that you know that it was it was really starting to to get close to to film and probably even surpass it. It was um, yeah. That when you, when you said the D30, was it the D30 or the 30D the the original D30?
2: Yeah, the three megapixel yeah. D thirty.
0: Because that that was my first DSLR. It
2: it was mine too, and it actually it worked though it worked it relatively well. I was getting good enough photos out of it that I was pleased with the results. And yeah. um, at three megapixels, that that still seems shocking. But I have, I have, I generally don't print that large. But I have sixteen by twenties in my house that I printed from my ten D.
0: So i yeah, I generally had um, a really a good experience with my d thirty i The problem with me is that i um, i I bought the the d thirty i mean i wasn 't really connected with what was happening in photography for a, a couple of years around there, and I bought the d thirty about two weeks before the d sixty was announced. So that cut me up a little bit, you know, because it, 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 was, it was the same camera, but with six megapixels instead of three. But I decided that because I'd only just bought the D30, that I was going to stick with it, and I did until the 10D. Um, but I, I, one of my best-selling images of Mount Fuji with a guy in a boat in front of it was shot with the, the D30, and I'll print that up to 13 by 19 and it still looks pretty good. So I, I know what you mean. You know, I don't like to go above that. With it you know but it but at the, even up to thirteen by nineteen it, it just about holds out so it's you know it 's one of those things that it it I, I enjoy the megapixels now, but when they weren 't there it was still a lot of fun. How about the retro we were talking last week about the benefits of shooting with a retro camera or you know even a, a digital retro style camera um, you know I, I remember talking about the fact that I, I think that the they're great for, you know, I, I'm not a huge street photographer but I have been interested in, um, until I heard about the focusing problems with the X100, I was interested in that camera just because of the, you know, the, the fact that it, it look, it's, it's not very imposing, you know, the, you, you can basically throw these things around your neck and it, it doesn't really scream, you know, like professional photographer or even just, you know, a, a serious photographer. So I I've certainly been um, interested in this sort of camera, just to sort of take it take a step back and and move away from. Because if I I've got DSLRs that I mean some of my pro bodies they're they're big and square and you can't even take the battery grip off. So they're pretty pretty daunting when you uh, when you when you you know walking around with those things. So what have have you had any experience? <laughs> I'm on my own hey jonathan i was i was talking to myself for a moment
1: (laughs) yeah uh boy it's brutal i just keep getting disconnected uh gets everything gets garbled and then i'm disconnected wow so, but, uh,
0: and as I as I got to the end there, I was asking if, you know, if you've had uh, experiences or any, you know, if you have any opinions on these, these retro, retro style cameras. Uh.
1: Well, I, uh, I definitely, you know, the, um, my old rangefinder is significantly smaller, not lighter, but smaller than, uh, than the DSLR he is now. Hmm. And I do miss uh, having that, that form factor, I think there's value to it. Yeah. There's still, um. You know, even if you don't go with one of these retro digital cameras, there are always the uh, the compacts like the Canon G12 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, that have the, have about the same form factor. It might have a uh, more of a shutter lag or something that would be annoying, but basically the same thing. And you know, there is value to the aesthetic. As photographers, we we're, we're aesthetic people. And um having something that feels nice and looks nice yeah. uh, can be what, are, what it takes to give you the confidence to go out there and, and, and take a great picture um,
0: that, That's certainly part of it, I think I, I have um, I've been working with uh, the the s95 uh, if, if I'm going out the house, I'll either have my iPhone with me or the s95 if I'm not going out specifically to 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 photograph things. And I think that the you know the the S95 is a beautiful little camera. It doesn't have quite such a a shutter lag as the older digital the, the compact digitals. So that's easier to overcome. You know the the S95 is a great alternative, not a lot of shutter lag um and I noticed that they they've they've announced the S100 as now as, as well now. So you know, there might be a bit of part-exchanging going off there, but I'm really happy with the S95 as a as a compact. It's small, even in my little retro leather case that I put it in. It, you can fit it in your back pocket and just sort of, you know, just leave the house. It's it's a relatively nice and and it's got ten ten megapixel images that aren't too noisy even at high ISOs. So it's a it's a good alternative. Um, I think that the you know the we we also spoke last last week about the iPhone um and obviously as with the, as the most published f- uh, camera on flickr i i appreciate that a lot of people are using that f- that camera as a uh, well, as a camera <laughs> um, but it's you know do you do you was it was it you last week that said that you had an android with a crappy camera on it jonathan yeah, yeah? so maybe you know i mean what i'll do is I'll, I'll repeat some of the stuff that was that was said last week in that um the general consensus was that the iphone is a great camera and for for what it is and the fact that you've always got it with you obviously the 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 fact that you've got this camera that's this thin and it's in your pocket all the time is is certainly a big plus um and I know that there've been professional portrait shoots done with it, and and a lot of like Jack Hollingsworth is hanging his, hanging his hat on it at the moment as well. But uh, I think that personally, you know, if I am going to shoot, if I'm going somewhere and I'm going to shoot a, I want to make images that I think may have some sort of, you know, they may have legs in the future. You you never know, you never know what's going to happen, and and I I'm really future proofing myself by. Not using the iPhone as a as a camera of choice, just because you know, I know that it shoots reasonable images, but I just want to know that if someone comes to me and says, "Hey, we want, we like we really like that photograph, and we want to put it on a billboard," that I've got enough megapixels to make that possible, um, yep. and and also the as we were saying last week, you know, you can't really turn up to a professional shoot and say, "I'm going to do this with my phone," it uh, it doesn't. You know if someone's paying you thousands of dollars to do a, a professional shoot, you don't want to be turning up with one of those things and and trying to show them that it's it's your professional gear um and that that you know there there's ob- obviously arguments as to whether whether it's about the results or not, but I think the general consensus last week was that it's it's not the best way to uh to approach photography if you if you want to really future proof what you're doing and and you know any large printing or anything like that. Plus, of course, the depth of field. I mean, you've everything's sharp, and if if you want to be artistic with depth of field, and most of my photography is uh, relies on depth of field for the the aesthetic, I you, you just can't control that with an iPhone at the moment. Maybe maybe in a few years' time, when they've got they've got better and they find some way of selectively focusing stuff like that, maybe it'll it'll work more.
2: I made it back.
0: Yay! um so we we were we were talking about the we we'd gotten onto compact cameras and the iphone um and and really just talking about how like i said in our ha- our hangout last week um you know the i, I generally like to future proof my images by making sure that they're more than you know than an iphone image plus there's the aesthetic of being able to control the depth of field and etc
2: I think that's a big one, especially with Nikon's announcement of their new mirrorless camera that has that really rather small sensor. It's smaller than Micro Four Thirds. Mm. So, what sort of you're not going to be able to get a nice shallow depth of field. Right. There goes Google going crazy. (laughs) Um, Actually, it wasn't Google's fault when I got bumped. It was my, had a reboot. but I, I thought that that was quite a disappointment and I was happy, well, relieved to see I was the only one who, who I wasn't the only one who was disappointed. Um, David Hobby um, had posted something on his blog about mm. his cool. disappointment too. Especially because, I, and I hadn't realized this and I'm not a Nikon shooter so I wasn't paying that much attention anyway. Mm. But um, he had pointed out that it has a, um, a proprietary hot shoe. Really? Um, yeah. So, all those folks out there who are shooting with Nikon, they can't put their SB900s or 600s on it. Um, they they can't... I mean, I guess that means, too, you can't even use a pocket wizard
0: on right. it. Right. I can imagine um, so.
2: Which would be terribly frustrating um, because... From such a big manufacturer, you'd expect it to be compatible with, with at least their accessories, if not the lenses. Right. But-
0: that that is a bit lame. Um, you wouldn't. That that sounds like the sort of thing that a. I mean, obviously, Nikon Nikon is a Japanese company, and I I years ago, you you, you found a lot of that. They would make stuff proprietary so that they could get you. You know, they pull you back in, and obviously, they're going to be trying to make money on a, on a new type of Strobe, or, you know, flash unit, uh, and other accessories that only fit on that camera, uh, or maybe o- others that are coming out in the in the future. But you 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 don't want to be doing that these days. It's going to limit the amount of people because if someone does have a whole bunch of S nine hundreds that they want to use, and all of a sudden they they can't attach them to that camera, they're going to think about alternatives. So,
2: well, you could still mount it on a Panasonic GF one. And full manual mode, which would still be more useful than having to go out and buy a whole new flash for your little mirrorless camera. So yeah. here's hoping that if Canon decides to jump into the market that they don't do anything stupid. And then Pentax is what is it, the Q? Yeah. Their, their super yeah. tiny mirrorless DSLR yeah. has yeah. an even smaller sensor in it, mm. um, which renders it basically a non-starter. I don't know, and then you know, of course you. I I think it's just kind of a waste, and Sony, who was forever the king of proprietary accessories, mm. um, is doing better with their next series, I think, because they have a full AFC c sensor. Um, and I yep. had actually thought about buying a, a mirrorless camera, and um, and had even c- contemplated, and I decided not to, but I, uh, but the front runner was. Sony, because I figured I would use old manual focus lenses anyway, and yeah. um, and they have plenty of mount adapters, so I don't even have to worry about buying new autofocus lenses. Um, it seems to be, and that that's kind of it's interesting because mirrorless cameras are becoming a bridge for um, the retro cameras to the modern cameras, allowing you to use your retro lenses, um, all those cheap Canon. Uh, f-mount lenses um so or those really nice olympus that were copies of leica's lens designs (laughs) that were so close and and performed so beautifully and were so and are still relatively cheap Mm. um so I, i don't know i i also think too i don't know if they'd want to but it seems kind of a shame that nikon did not decide to to go with Micro Four Thirds, because all of a sudden they'd have a big
0: migration.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. It's a semi-open standard.
0: I think that um, they've they've this. They, I mean, I I wasn't aware of, of that, but listening to what you're saying, you know, it does seem as though they've they've made a few, um, you know, strange decisions on that one. And I, I I certainly see what you're saying. You know, the fact that these Micro Four Thirds cameras, like the Nex, are they are a, a really nice sort of mid ground yeah you know, they they've got smaller sensors than the big SLRs but they are a little bit you know they're smaller less imposing so you get back to that that thing of you know the one of the reasons why i think the the new line that you know the new retro style cameras that we're seeing are coming out is because they're they're less imposing and and seem more natural for street photographers um but i also think i mean i Although I'm not a, the reason that I don't have a Leica, <laughs> I mean the M9. The M9, I think it's a beautiful camera. Looking at it, it's it's got a good size sensor in there, and it's just a beautiful camera. Leicas have always been the like the the epitome of what what a really nice retro. Even when they were you know weren't retro, um, they were yeah. really they were they were the retro style camera, and and people have lusted over them for decades. And even now, I would love a an M nine, but I don't have one simply because, obviously, the the biggest reason is I can't afford one. Um, but the you know I would love one for street work and stuff like that. But I just don't do enough of it. So for me, it's it's just you know I can't warrant that kind of money for for a camera that I'm simply lusting over. It's one of those again needs rather than needs. And so yeah. I. Yeah.
2: Well, and then there's the typical rangefinder shortfalls, um, where you you can only work certain focal lengths on a rangefinder. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know you don't normally get past what 135 millimeters mm. on the long end, and usually 21 or 21 millimeters on the wide end, um, and if, with the parallax error on it, you. Macro photography is impossible um, on a rangefinder, and that's one of my favorite Canon lens is still the 100 millimeter macro, mm-hmm. and I yeah. am surprised by how often I decide to leave that on my camera, even when I'm going to wander around. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I would miss that too much, um, and and the expense. I mean, for an M9, you could buy uh, well, what a new the new. 400, 2.8 IS two, yeah. Um, yeah, or an M nine, and you'd get, and then of course it's manual focus, so you, you're not going to get fast action, right? Um, right. So, and and the nice thing is that with one of these, you know, with a Panasonic GF one, um, you can mount manual focus lenses on it where infinity is infinity. So even if you're there's a scene and you're you've got a, a little bit of distance enough distance where you can just turn it to infinity yeah. and make yeah. a capture, um, it, it'll work. Um, so I think, and and that was what people like about the I think part in part about the retro cameras is that they're not as imposing. They're not as physically large, as walking around with, um, a you know a Canon, one D or or a Nikon D three. Um, yeah. and some enormous lens in front of it so yeah,
0: um, yeah.
2: I, I don't know I, I think Nikons foray is kind of falling flat um, and I'm sure it's probably because they they started their development such a long time ago mm. and the market has changed um, and it's moved ahead of their product um, and then Canon hasn't even joined it and I it, it's it's too bad Um Mm. Yeah. I guess the other nice thing about old cameras though is that on your AE one, the yeah. settings, the knobs, the dials, the functions oh, yeah. Yeah. are almost all exactly the same across all cameras of that era. So you could go to what, a Nikon F one and it would be basically the same operation.
0: Yeah. Um I'm, I'm holding it up to the camera now just to sort of show people, but yeah, it's this it is. It's it's all where's the oh yeah, it's all just here, you know, it's, uh, you've got your speed dial here, you've got your aperture on the on the lens here, you know, it's all just just there, and it was, like you say, it was very similar for a lot of the cameras that were on the market, so, even, I mean, I love this, you, this is one thing that you don't get. Oh yeah, you're frantically
2: winding, you go back into the canisters, so you right. can
0: load another I don't want right. to miss a shot. Um, yeah i, uh, I, I didn't like that. yeah i that's one that's one thing I, I think actually there was a maker a few years ago and it, i think it was a toy digital camera but they actually put a film winder on it um and i think there was all <laughs> there was also one that had a um you you actually had to cock it like you, you know you had to do that action uh-huh. before you could actually shoot a frame um and that was that was just obviously it was a, it was a gimmick but it was those things were important I and mean, when it was like this this action you know quickly having to do this and then that that action was what what happened for years and years and so giving people that back it's nostalgic and you know it's
2: it, it is and it was great when when you could basically take an olympus om1 and uh Canon AE-1 and a Nikon F1 and a Pentax K1000 and you could pick up anyone's camera yeah. and, and use yeah. it because yeah. all the functions were almost exactly the same. The only thing you might have different is the aperture ring might be might stop down differently one direction versus the other and the focus again might be different one direction versus the other. But mm. um, And I kind of like the old split prism and I'd actually even thought about changing out the screen and in my, the focusing screen in my my one series didn 't put a, a split, split prism in
0: i 've thought about um, that as well and i didn 't bother i heard the reason i didn 't do that was because I heard that they were generally slightly darker um, and that that was what put me off but it's I would love to have a split prism in my cameras um, and i've i 've got to admit i mean i I bought this after I was already shooting with a DSLR for the nostalgia factor so although i am agreeing with what you're saying about you know the old days when when people you know you could do use other people 's cameras i wasn 't actually shooting then you know I know that that 's the case but i wasn 't actually doing that then so i I should just throw that in to make sure because i don 't want people to think that i've been i've been using these sort of cameras back in the day uh,
2: well but there's a, isn't there a nice tactile feel to that that camera oh the sure. Way, how smooth the autofocus foc- or the, the the focus ring turns and
0: yeah, it, absolutely. It
2: was, it was, it was kind of a treat. It felt more like you were using, um, a really fine tool. Um, right. Well, and I think there's a nostalgia for that as well.
0: So you know, one of the things that I like about the Nikon cameras, and, and I obviously, I mean, I don't own one. Uh, well, I say obviously because I'm a, I'm a Canon user, but this even when you were saying, you know, the 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 way this feels when you when you turn it. I there's, there's that beautiful smoothness, but also this knurling. I, I'm a I'm a a knurling fiend. I love this kind of, and and I think you know that that's that's one of the the reasons. That's one of the reasons why I oh, a Burian X. <laughs> hey Martin. Hey, how, how's it going? It's great to have you in here.
3: Yeah, man, good to see you.
0: Absolutely, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Thanks. It's. uh it's been exactly three months since the surgery this week, and I'm doing great.
3: Oh, congratulations! I'm glad to hear it.
0: Thanks. You so, look good, man. Oh, Thanks very much. I uh, I'm gonna just give you focus here because um, we've there we go a little bit dark in there, but it, you're looking yeah. you're looking good yourself. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, we were we were just talking about um, you know we'd been chatting about the. Uh, you know the the retro style cameras. I've got an old AE one here, um, and oh, yeah. we've we've been all over the all over the place um, talking about the the new uh, retro style cameras that are on the market, and also we you know Jeffrey here in, in the middle. I don't know if you can see. Um, I don't hey, think.
2: Jeff. Hello. <laughs>
0: um, so yeah, they, we were talking about um, you know how less imposing these retro style cameras are. For your, um, you know, for street photography and stuff like that. But as you know, I mean, we've spoken on the, I remember a few years ago on the Focus Ring um, podcast that we recorded at Biranex, where I, I think I, I recall making you laugh saying that if I was a street photographer, I'd probably do it from a mile away with my 600 millimeter lens. Because it's yeah. just, <laughs> it, it was, it's not the sort of stuff. I actually do more now, but still, I'm not, I don't consider myself a street photographer in any way um but we was talking about the the fact that you know these these retro style cameras are less imposing they they don't make you look like you're you're you know you're really serious about it and it can help you to get into situations that you probably wouldn't if you were using a big square uh full uh you know like a professional body and big lenses and things so and and I, I'm really glad that you've jumped in. Obviously, I mean, we are recording this for a podcast, so uh, you know. Oh, are you? Yeah. So I, I don't know Good if you. Good thing I just showered. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm glad that you jumped in here, especially you know with your with your book and the, and all of the the way you. I know that you're such an amazing street photographer yourself. Have you got any opinions on this stuff? Well, I've been um, using this um, Olympus EP3.
3: Nice. For uh, last month. I got to send it back uh, before the weekend. But um, to your point, I've been, uh, it cut, I think it's a 12 millimeter lens mm. that they have, an F2 lens. Yeah. And I've been using that and getting really, really close. I mean, if you look through some of the images that I've posted to Google Plus, yeah. um, some of those images I was pretty damn close. I mean, getting within like three or four feet of somebody. Wow. And uh, making a photograph, which is something I never would do with a with a normal DSLR, you know, with a yeah with a zoom lens on it, it just would just be really intimidating. But something that small, you can bring it up pretty quickly, and it focuses fast enough that I can get a shot. And yeah. many times, people aren't aware that I'm photographing. They think I'm photographing something behind them. Uh. With that wide angle, I can include them in the frame. So,
0: so Next, I'm gonna. Where? Let me see. Uh, I've just looked you up on Google+. Let me see if I can find some of your photos. Cause I, you guys won't be able to see it, but I will be able to bring it on into the area of the screen that I'm capturing. Do, have you done? Have you uploaded them directly to Google? Yeah, I've
3: just been yeah going straight to Google+. So, let me let yeah. me bring this in. Um, I also have them on I have some of them on um, 500 px okay let's go let's there go there as well
0: so search for you
2: how is the autofocus I heard it's much improved
0: oh it's it's
3: the fastest thing I've ever used on the street It's been the most reliable autofocus system. That I've used for any camera that I use on the street ever. How you is know. it in low light? You know, I don't do a lot of stuff in low light. Um, it's contrast based, so it probably will have its challenges in really low light. But most of the stuff that I do is on the street, mm-hmm. so um, I've really not had to really face it under those kind of circumstances. And um, mm. yeah, so, so I really,
0: I really can't speak to that. So, Ebiraneks, X, have I've got your 500px page up now, um, and I obviously you can't see this, but I've got uh, like beating the heat, three guys, uh, and the fat man. Um, is there any of these that you could you could talk about briefly if I got it if I got it up on the screen? Uh, bus fuse. Yeah. Um, the um, see for
3: example. Uh, both the Blowing um, blowing Bubbles and Old Town Light and Shadow, both of those were shot with the uh, with the Olympus, and I was relying completely on the uh, autofocus for both of those, those photo photographs. <laughs> um, so so I'm,
0: I've got this, I've got Blowing Bubbles up here now, and it, it looks pretty, it's a beautiful shot. You've got, um, let's see. I think you've got a pretty a pretty deep depth of field here as well, though. So it's it's difficult to, yeah. to sort of evaluate the focus as, as such, but it's a beautiful shot yeah. as usual.
3: And then three guys and the fat man was also with that um, with the EP3 and the 14 mm So yeah, I mean, I was I was uh, just basically seeing a moment, raising the camera to my eye and shooting, mm. and because the instantaneous response of the of the shutter release button to my finger mm. I didn't have to experience the kind of delay that I usually experience with the DSLR because the DSLR it has to sort of search for that focus Yeah. yeah. and even though they're fast for the street I needed to be instantaneous like it would be with a film camera yeah. and uh, I've always been frustrated with most DSLRs with respect to that yeah. uh, even the more recent ones they just they're just not responsive enough, and this is uh, hopefully an indication of things to come in terms of all cameras because if they're all this fast, if not faster, I'd be very, very happy but
0: um, yeah i I've, I've just had these up on the screen as as you've been talking, and they are beautiful beautiful images are, What are you using for your black and white conversion? Are they in camera or are you doing it in post processing
3: uh, actually uh, these were all in camera. I had the uh, camera set for RAW plus JPEG and set it for Monochrome. Very nice. And so, uh, because at the time, the um, the beta of the latest uh, version of Lightroom wasn't out yet, so all I could do was access the JPEGs. Mm. So I, I was just doing RAW plus JPEG and then just uploading the JPEG files to Google Plus and Into Photoshop, I do a little bit of tweaking in terms of contrast, but overall, this is what I'm getting straight out of the camera.
0: That's a nice conversion. I've uh, I've been, you know, throwing some of these up on the screen as you've been talking. It's it's doing a nice black and white conversion as well. So, it's it's impressive.
3: Yeah, yeah, I was really pleased with it. I rarely shoot that way, but it was just like it was sort of like well, if I want to play with the images, I I have to shoot the JPEGs. Right, right, and uh, just. And I thought you know the, the Olympuses have always been really good in terms of the Jpegs they produced, especially the color ones yeah so um, so the black ones uh, black and white ones didn't disappoint at all
0: good it'll cut you up to send that back then I imagine yeah unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so so what are you, what are you shooting with when you're normally you know before, before you were you had that to play with?
3: I got a sixty d that I bought earlier this year mm.
0: so I've been using that
3: a lot uh i got uh, uh, another thing i gotta send back is the sigma thirty millimeter
0: uh yeah okay so
3: I've been using that a lot with with the sigma um, oh, yeah. which is a, just a great lens i when I was in paris in may um probably eighty five percent of my images were were with that lens. I took everything else with me, which I shouldn't have. <laughs> Cuz when I got there all I was shooting with was with the Sigma. Uh, I've got you. I've got you.
0: So, so that was a lot of Yeah. Uh, have you had any experience with the the Sony NEX, the N- NEX?
3: No, no. I, I they don't have any relationships currently with with Sony to be able to get stuff on loan yet, so uh-huh. It's one of the things I have to work on because I'm really curious to, to work with the Sony cameras because I've never had an opportunity to do so yet, so.
0: Mm. Yeah, Jeff, Jeffrey here as well was was saying, and I, I've, I think if I was going to go for a micro four thirds, as Jeffrey was saying earlier, it probably would be the next. Um, just because it's, um, you know, the, I think it, it's small enough to make it a, a good alternative um to a a dslr but still relatively highly functional and and you could use a lot you've got a good lens range that you can use with it as well so um obviously i'm not going to jump in and buy these things because i I i just don't i can't warrant it i don't do enough of the sort of photography that the benefits would really you know would really mean much to me but um it's you know as a conversation point i think that that's a that's a nice one but the the you know the Olympus that you were just showing us as well. That's that's gonna be that's a nice uh, a nice alternative to a DSLR as well. Yeah.
3: And I've been making uh I was make. I made some prints yesterday, I made some eleven by seventeen prints from uh from the from the JPEGs mm. uh yesterday and they looked really, really good. Nice. I'll probably make some uh, twenty by thirty images to just to check it out, um to see it. But from my experience it it, it should hold up. Yeah. You know.
0: Fine. I'm not a big pixel peeper, so Yeah.
3: Are, image you, looks
0: good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. So are you printing at home or sending them to yeah. lab? Yeah. What are you printing no, with? I got it? Them here.
3: Um again I'm evaluating the Epson Photo R two hundred. Okay. And I also have the I think the thirty four hundred. Nice. Or thirty three hundred, I forget. Yeah.
0: So, so uh, it's, uh, it's nice. been this
3: week that I finally got to printing, because they gave me these a, a while ago. Yeah. So, I just finally started, you know, taking all these images that I've been producing over the last couple of months and making, making prints. So, I just made some prints on their uh, premium photo glossy paper, which looks good, but I'm looking forward to playing with some of their signature uh, papers.
0: Is, that, um, is, the, is the glossy one the crispier? Do you, do you, do you, is it branded as crispier over there in the States?
3: Uh, yeah, they don't use that term here.
0: Ah, okay. It's like yeah, it's crisp. They I refer to a- chicken here as crispy, but <laughs> not totally. It's here in Japan. It's it's um crispier is is not crispy I-E-R, cr- i e r. It's i i a crispier. Um, but it's oh, okay. yeah, it's it's nice paper. A, a a friend of mine was showing me some of his work printed out on that a few days ago. But yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool that you're that you're evaluating that stuff. So, um, yeah I mean I like the
3: you know it's a good paper, but I've always kind of favored more the luster and matte papers. me too yeah um, I F- just I just like the the look of those much better than I ever did glossy.
0: yeah i I generally um, i will ninety five percent of what I print is on uh, is on matte paper I, I've, until until very recently I've used the Hanneymuled soft um, photo rag um and yeah. the the bright, the Harnamule bright white photo rag is is pretty amazing but i um i i also like their berita paper if i'm going to go gloss cuz to me I'm, although they call it a gloss paper the berita's are generally a, they're they're kind of a luster as well they've got a little bit of texture there um and they they're a nice paper to work with um i'm actually you know if i if i spin can spin this around I'm actually currently working with over the if you can see in the distance there we've got a batch of um, rolls of paper on my table over there wow. which, which are from um breathing color and I'm actually moving over to breathing breathing color papers because uh you know they, they actually sent me there's there's more there than i than I will be working with initially because they sent me those to evaluate as well um but i'm I'm going to be switching over to some of the 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 really, you know, the fine art papers from Breathing Colour as well because they're they're making they're making some pretty good you know, I I started using Breathing Colours um, papers originally, initially when I moved to their live canvas, L-Y-V-E canvas uh, for my Mm -hmm. gallery if you you see on the wall behind me we've got a couple of canvas wraps these things are done with the um, you know what, I'm going to just I won't be able to hear you while I do this but I'm just going to grab one of these to show you but this uh, if I if I click my my own video and put my earphones back in (laughs) you can see that um, this is this is a canvas done on not going to work on uh, breathing colours live canvas and it's beautiful they are there i you know i use their bar their large 1.75 inch um frames and it's just Mm -hmm. and and because i laminate them you know you you don't have to worry about monocol these things if they get dirty you can wipe them off with a wet rag beautiful canvas wraps and i i got into um breathing colors I'm going to say substrates because it it sounds nice, but I that you know the the first uh, thing that I started using was their their canvas, but the vibrance rag they've got Optica one vibrance rag all of these things I've started to test them out and they're they're looking really really good so I think that they're probably going to replace once I once I've got rid of my Harney Muley stock they're probably going to be replacing that. Um, so that's you know that's something i'm looking forward to to getting into more i'll be changing my my shopping cart details on my website soon but yeah are you uh, comparable in price or they're the, the thing with um breathing colors papers is is that you can only buy them from breathing color they they spend a lot and this is coming straight from um breathing colors straight from breathing colors guys um but Welcome, Javi. We're we're in the we're in the middle of a a, a good conversation here. We'll jump over to you in a moment. Um, but I, I was I was just saying, you know, that the breathing color um, papers they they generally they spend a lot of money on R and D for their papers. They're they're forever increasing their their lineup, and because of the fact that they're um, you know they put so much money into the R&D if they sold through B&H and all of the big retailers they'd be too expensive they you know the markup would basically make them unaffordable and they'd probably be more expensive okay. than the than the Harnemule is but because they only sell via their website they can keep the prices down so yeah they are they're reasonably priced and the, the good thing about Breathing Color as well is that they always release a, a top-of-the-line Ferrari version and mm-hmm. a and a and a lower Ford Taurus version sorry sorry Ford if you if you're listening <laughs> but but so basically they um, they sell something for that's really top-of-the-line and then and then a, a lower priced version that is almost as good but you know you get what you pay for if you want the best you go for the higher priced and they've always got a cheaper alternative so it's they okay. the do great and while we're on the while we're on the subject if you use the code mbp20 when you check out you get twenty dollars off an order so uh yeah anyone if anyone wants to try breathing color over at com, that's that's a that's the way to do it use that code and get twenty dollars off any order over twenty dollars um mm. so jarvi what are you doing You you're having your supper there yeah Yeah, just having a smoothie and, and watching you do your thing. <laughs> so, thanks for joining. We've, we've got Iberian X over here, and we've got Jeffrey Yen on the, on the line with us. Um, I think Jeffrey was on here when you jumped in last week as well, maybe. Um, but nice to see you. How, did, you go, did you join the Google Hangout that you mentioned earlier?
4: Uh, just for a moment, but it wasn't uh, that exciting to a photographer like me, since I don't, I don't know, will I am very much. But I wanted to see how they integrated uh, Hangouts with uh, YouTube Live, so mm. and I saw that and uh, I took off to go to a meeting here in the community, and now okay. I'm back watching you. And I know Jeffrey. Yep. I don't know a Baron X though, so
0: a Baron X, hey. you, you should know a Baron X. He's 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 like. The um, so, Reenex re- released a book a few months, maybe what was it, three months or so ago. That is uh, back
3: in May or April.
0: Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, maybe we spoke just over three months ago um, about it, and it's it's just an amazing book about how to basically see see and use the light in your photography. So, um, hopefully, you'll able you'll be able to see you'll be able to pick that up at some point. It's a it's well worth a read. Um,
4: well, we're following each other here on Google
0: Plus, so yeah, yeah, you're pretty, uh, you're pretty
3: uh, busy on here. So I've been seeing your name pop up time, <laughs> you know, several times. So
0: yeah,
4: yeah, probably too busy. My uh, workflow is a little suffering, so, <laughs> but it's been fun.
0: Yeah. So so quickly, you know, we're actually we're coming up to an hour, and um, I was I was going to start to wrap up soon since you joined. Since you joined, yep. um, but have you? Um, we've been talking basically. What I want to do quickly before we finish is, um, you know, we've been talking about the um, the benefits of using the smaller retro style cameras or four thirds cameras um have you have you used this the four thirds or these new retro style cameras or anything like that Javi, in, in your in your work
4: i i have not because they do not fit my style but um you know I, I know a bunch of other photographers that do and uh there's something i would suggest to some photographer or aspiring photographers
0: mm. yeah so so what using myself
3: yeah,
0: yeah. well yeah. that's that's pretty much how I am as well. I I've uh, I've not been, I've not bought one. I've not I, the the smallest. Well, I was I've shown a couple of times. I've got an old AE1, but basically this is just for nostalgia value. I I don't really use this, and I wouldn't use it in a shoot. Um, basically, because it's got a it, the 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 shutter sticks every fifth frame or so, so I, I end up with you know I'm dropping frames on this but even even if it wasn't I wouldn't be using it I would be using my professional sort of um, you know 1 1D series cameras or or my 5D I mean the, the you need a certain amount of control over depth of field obviously you get that with this but the the 4/3 cameras generally tend to have a slightly deeper depth of field even with the same settings so but I, but I think that they're in for what they're designed for and and I think the overall um Consensus is is that they 're great for street photography um, if I did more street photography, I would probably own a bunch of them, knowing me um, but yeah you know, i was also I was saying to Jeffrey earlier as well i mean i 'd love an m nine I like m m nine but I just can 't warrant that sort of that sort of money um, to you know for for basically what would be a hobby for me because it, i i don 't think that it, I would quickly get good enough at street photography to actually become part of my work so i uh i personally don't use them either but i think that there's the 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 lineup um jeffrey was also talking earlier about the new nikon um that the, that's smaller than a micro four-thirds the mirror mirrorless yeah. camera what what's the what's the name of that again jeffrey the j1 and the b1 j1 and the b1 so you know i mean they're the the whole range of of micro four-thirds and smaller the mirrorless cameras seems to be heating up, and there's you know I think that there's going to be a lot of people that will be considering these, especially the the sort of people that are using the the rebel size or the you know the the i don 't want to say lower end but you know the the more consumer style um, digital SLrs I think that these people will certainly have a, a cheaper alternative that that's really really works well and if you if you're not so worried i mean you can get with the micro four thirds you can still get a a shallow depth of field but i think that there's there's certainly a you know a a a few more limitations over depth of field and things like that 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 you wouldn't get if you were in you know a, a general sort of you know with with your your full size dslr um, yeah, And they're
3: not really appreciably cheaper. I mean, some of these cameras are, you know, 600, 700, 800 bucks, so, yeah. you know, it looks like it's, it's for the same amount of money you can get a, you know, say a Rebel or whatever equivalent model is for, for, for the Nikon or, or whatever Olympus, so it just, I think it's just, um, cameras that are really going to cater to people who just want really smaller, smaller cameras, but have the flexibility of Interchangeable lenses. So
0: Yeah, yeah. I well I mean yeah uh, that that's really why I was um why I was comparing to that sort of that level of camera because it's well, it may not be cheaper, but I think it's it's certainly a good alternative. Um, you know, especially when you consider the size of these these things and all of that. But uh we've got Jason Parker's joined us. Hi Jason.
2: Hey Martin, I tried to catch you this morning when you and Frederick were on, but uh you had to toddle off.
0: Ah, sorry about that. <laughs> it's all right. Just heard your interview. Oh, great! Uh, I hope you enjoyed it.
2: Oh, it was great. I haven't quite finished it yet.
0: Oh, yeah. I I really enjoyed it. It was it was a nice a nice chat. It's always it's always good to to um to get into those interviews. So it's, and it's and Frederick's a great host. So yeah, oh, the was whole gang great over there. Oh, for sure. Don't for you sure. don't you sleep anymore? Me. <laughs> I no, I I actually um they the west coast over there, you know, in the US is is really good for me. It's my morning. Um it's like lunchtime here now. Um and the the TWIP guys, you know, I'm, they're actually changing their recording schedule to um I think it's a Tuesday evening or something and so I'm gonna be starting to co host with them um, not every week but you know on, on occasionally I'll be co-hosting with them from the middle of October outwards so I'm looking forward oh, nice. to that yeah I'm looking forward to that so you know what guys um, I'm sorry about this especially as Jason's just joined I think we should do one last um, round of you know who you are and where people can see you and we'll jump off we'll, we'll, we'll you know, wrap this one up so from the, from the left here where I'm looking Abira Next, where can people find you
3: uh, they can go to thecandidframe.com where they'll find the podcast and they'll find links to all the different things that I'm doing, but they can also follow me on Google+, Twitter, and Facebook,
0: but uh, thecandidframe.com. Great. So, Jason, you, you got a free plug here as well. For, for, sorry <laughs> sorry that you managed to join us at the very end here, but can people, can people see your work online? Uh, I'm just on Google+, right now. I don't post a whole lot of stuff online okay i'm I'm getting back to it i'm kind of slow at it no problem you know what i'm just going to resize my window here a little bit more again so that i can actually show your names as because i'm recording a portion of the screen so i'm just going to show your names here um so great stuff let's see jeffrey uh, where can people see your work online have you got
2: um, well, Google Plus is always great. I'm always trying to recruit more people, and um, you can check out my blog. It's blog.cranialaperture.com
0: Great stuff. And I'm going to skip over to Javi, Jarby. and Javi's actually done his magical um, <laughs> showing, showing us. Look at that! I, I love the way you do that. I uh, so Javi, you're actually showing us your work as you as you as you do this but is there any way people can go to just to, to you know check out your amazing work? You know what I am uh, designing a new set of business cards and on the back
4: I will have only one thing What's and it? that is my Google Plus link. Wow, That's all I care about now. I have, my, I have I have blogs, I've been busy on, I've been on Facebook for six years, I've done Twitter, I've done everything and on the back all that will be there is is basically jarveydigital.com slash plus which will basically take them to my, to my, uh, my yep. Google Plus because that's where everything kind of comes to. Okay. My portfolio, my writings, my interactions, the way Excellent. to get a hold of me.
0: Excellent. It's I've, there. I've seen you rocking it here, so yeah, that's great. Good stuff. Hang your hat on Google Plus. So thank you very much, gentlemen. I'm I'm just going to quickly finish by saying that you know you as usual you can anyone can find me at martinbaileyphotography.com. Everything's linked there. Thanks for joining us today. The people that have joined. Um, unfortunately, Jonathan seems to have, have dropped out and couldn't get back in. But thanks to Jonathan as well. And uh, we'll we'll catch you again very soon. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Good night. Night. All right. Have a good Bye-bye. day, Martin. Bye bye. Okay, so I'm going to quickly wrap this up once more here. I need a browser. So look at this. Iberian X's work is amazing. Um, so do check Iberian X out. He's, he's one of the best street photographers that I know and all round photographers and really nice guy. Um, so I'm just going to click this. You can see this is where I'm in. Mean, MartinBaileyPhotography.com. Everything I'm mean into is up here and all of my social links and podcast links and things are down here so we'll call it a day and i again thank you for joining today thank you for listening and i will hopefully see you again in the 300th episode of the martin bailey photography podcast next week until then you just have a great week whatever you're doing take care and bye bye